Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. It needs to literally be that you can look at a group of people, strangers, friends, anyone from any country that look like the most random and assorted, you know, diverse group of people and feel like every single one of them is worthy and not any less than because of their body. Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Nasty Woman Club, a podcast dedicated to inspiring women with inspiring stories. I'm your host, Demi Lynch. On this week's episode, I spoke to the incredible, the gorgeous, the charismatic woman, April Watson, who is officially now my new girl crush. I have been aware of her for only a couple weeks now. I don't know how. And I am obsessed with her. She just oozes positivity and just brightens up your day just by looking at her social media page. Like, if you're not following her on the Bodzilla on Instagram, do it right now. Pause this episode and do it right now. And when you listen to this episode, you're literally going to be listening to us slowly and steadily become best friends. I enjoyed our chat so much. I really, really did. We spoke about fat phobia. We also spoke about racism as she is mixed race. There was also discussions in regards to people being so obsessed with weight loss and how weight loss is this big massive win for people even if it's something that's not intentional and even if it's something that was never invited to the conversation. Anyway, I think you would much rather hear our conversation rather than me just go on and on and on and praise her because I can literally do that for hours. So without further ado, here is April Watson, the Bodzilla. Hi, April. Thank you so much for coming on to today's podcast. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. How are you going after appearing on the one and only Clementine Ford's podcast? I am literally fangirling on myself right now. <laughs> just, oh, I couldn't be happier to have been asked um, by Clem to be on the Big Sister Hotline. And honestly, some of the feedback that I've gotten has warmed my heart and made my day completely over this weekend that's, um, that's just gone. So I'm really happy and I'm very excited to see uh, who, who her next guest is. Yes, yes, you deserve all the praise and everything because it's such a great interview. So for those of you that haven't listened, make sure you head on over to Clementine Ford's podcast. I'll put her, the show description name and link into the show notes. So to kick off our interview, you are a very big advocate for body positivity. So I want to rewind way back to the beginning. When you were growing up as a kid, when did you realize being bigger or being fat was something of a bad thing. When did you first hear fat phobic comments being used in your childhood? Literally, as far back as my memory goes, conversations about bodies and the fact that everyone in our family was kind of on the bigger side. Like there were quite a lot of 
cousins and uh, my aunts and things who would all talk about their bodies in a negative way because of the fact that lots of us genetically carry more weight than, say, I don't know, someone who's a size 12. Yeah, I guess, like, even my mum telling stories about herself as a child and being referring to herself as a big girl and things like that, uh, I certainly remember always having a sense of my body and the fact that it was bigger than average and that that wasn't a good thing. And when did you yourself started using those words on yourself or other people using those words against you? I think probably as soon as I went to school. I think in the early days, um, you know, at five, say, lots more of the focus was on the fact that I was different because I'm a woman of colour. So as a smaller child, as in a younger child, I would uh, more get flack about the fact that I had brown skin rather than that I was big. Uh, Although there was one kid who I was in kindergarten with who I will never forget. I won't say his name because that could be embarrassing for him. Um, And he was five, so, like, we'll give him some credit. We'll give him Um, a bit of slack, yeah. (laughs) He used to call me Fat Albert because, I don't know if you are old enough to remember that TV show, but it was a a cartoon and um, they were African-American kids and Fat Albert was the main character and he was black and he was big. So that was what he used to say to me, hey, 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 it's that Albert every time I walk past, every single time. God, kids can be cruel. Jeez. (laughs) Yeah, mean. And and I think, obviously, he didn't come up with that on his own. Like, he he may know that, oh, I look at her and she's big and she's brown and that Albert's big and brown. But he knew that it hurt my feelings and that came from somewhere and I imagine that um, he lived in a household where talking about other people's bodies was a thing and that's why he thought it was okay for him to make an observation about mine. Oh, kids suck, I swear. <laughs> they, can, they can be totally awesome and they can be totally awful, but I guess, um, you know, myself being a parent, I just have to remember what kind of kid I was, what kind of kids I knew and what kind of kid I want my son to grow up to be. Yeah, and as you grow up, I I can imagine you and I had had similar experiences in the sense of fat phobia as we grow up in our teenage years and then the adult years. What are some, this could be a big list, but what are some everyday fat phobic things you've experienced in your teen years and then in your adulthood that you feel like people of smaller sizes or the quote-unquote ideal body sizes might not be generally aware of? those everyday things of like uh if you're having a conversation with your teenage gal pals and they say oh like who have you got a crush on who have you got a crush on that kind of thing and they have the conversation about like oh you could date him and then when it gets to you if you say you have a crush on someone it's kind of like they look at you like yeah well he's not going to date you so like next because there's an assumption there that uh at that age boys will not take an interest in you because you're not good looking because you're not thin i think also some of the things that I've experienced, which I still experience now, is that conversation around when you say I'm fat and people try to tell you you're not fat, they want to argue with you about the fact that, oh, you're not fat. I'm like, yeah, I mean, I am. It's a fact. Like, it's I'm not, I'm not saying that it makes me less good looking or less smart or less valuable or less worthy. Being fat is a descriptor that is as much so, so as saying I have long hair, I have short hair. I, you know, um, am wearing a red shirt. It's not, I'm not criticising myself. I'm simply stating a fact. Mm. And that's been going on my whole life. Like, it, it, And when I was younger and someone else would call me fat, wow, you were done, like, you know, dead to me. Don't talk to me. Because the only time I'd ever experienced being called fat was in a negative and derogatory way. Um, and so for people to say, oh, you're fucking fat, I'd be like, well, you're dead to me, so bye. Uh, (laughs) And I was pretty strict about that. I was very, like, I would 
even as a young girl would vocalize, I'd be like, you can't, I don't like it when you say that to me, like, it hurts my feelings. Um, and sometimes, I mean, I guess probably much less articulate at 14, but I remember I used to work um, a fast food job, and someone I thought was my friend called me fat, and I was so angry at her, and she's like, what's wrong? And I'm like, you can't call me that. And she's like, but I was only joking. I'm like, but you weren't joking. And that was the first time I ever really stood up to someone who I really liked her, you know, when you're younger and you, you see someone who's like, all the things that you wish you were, you know, she's about a year mm, older, yeah, yeah. like long red hair, gorgeous figure, like all this stuff. Um, and her saying that to me, and I stood up to her because I was like, do you know what? That's not okay, and I don't like it. And she was actually, she was really, you know, apologetic and quite um, ready to listen to what I had to say. And I was like, oh, I didn't mean it. Like, I shouldn't have said that. And I was like, I agree. So let's continue being friends. Um, and, yeah, I think that being fat and being beautiful are not mutually exclusive. And that has been a theme and an ongoing one for the last 30 plus years. You know, for me, I think recently I started writing a series called Fat Girl Shouldn't. And exactly what you've just said, spot on the money, um, it, you know, talking about the way that people will simply rule you out because you're fat, so they will just simply go, oh, you can't think, can't think you're hot, that is such a good example. Um, fat girls who walk down the street looking confident and sexy are mocked shamelessly. Like, even now, even I can be walking down the street and see people seeing someone, not necessarily me, some other confident fat beauty walking down the street, rocking it, and then being like, ooh, ooh, like, you know, those sort of under-breath comments like, oh, that's gross. Or like, how dare you call someone gross on the street for a start? Uh, but also, you make no sense because you know for a fact that that person looks and feels good about themselves and your weird assumption about their body or their health or their what kind of person they are because they have a certain amount of kilograms on their body. It's just, it doesn't make any sense. It's actually stupid. <laughs> And also, like, what categorizes someone as fat? Like, is it like, oh, so the way how much skin they're showing, how much they weigh, which you cannot look at someone and know how much they weigh. Or is it how big their arms are, how big their legs are, how chubby their face is? And it's just like, so somehow all those things categorize into fat and then that makes someone less than. Like, I will always remember, and I it's clicked into my head now, when I watch old sitcoms like That 70s Show, Friends, Big Bang Theory, and I've realised that whenever they talk about a female character, in particular one that's not a main character, they always, like, they always say, like, oh, she's so smart, she's so hot, she's so great, and then they'll go, like, oh, she's fat, isn't she? Or, like, they always they always make it seem like... A girl could be so amazing, but that doesn't matter. That's just who cares about that. If she's fat, who cares about the rest? She's not worth it. Not worth. No, she's yeah. not fuckable. Yeah. I know that. I know that trope so well, and it goes mm. back. I mean, I can't think of a specific example. I know I heard somebody, it might have been you and Abby, talking about the Big Bang Theory. Yes. Um. Yeah. And I remember hearing that and thinking, yes, that's so accurate. And and um, the guy from what's his name? Uh, Jimmy Galecki, Johnny Galecki, I think. He's his name the guy he was in Roseanne and he's the Leonard is that his name I don't watch the show I think it's <laughs> yeah um, I never have and then I was like see you just prove why I don't watch it it's obviously shit um that he was in Roseanne and I feel like that especially having Roseanne and Dan the, the mother and father characters who were both bigger mm. um that that was a, like fat jokes was a thing where they would do them 
kind of to themselves in that kind of internalized fat phobic or like um, I'm going to make myself the joke so that you can't tease me because I already said it and I'm funnier than you which for me was a defense mechanism as a kid which I'm certain I learned from watching shows like that and getting the message that if you're fat you have to be funny and then you have to hit yourself with the with the punchline before anyone else can get to you because always as you said the punchline is going to be here's 10 reasons why this person's amazing but bow, bow, they're fat goodbye yeah yeah absolutely definitely agree with that there's always that trope that oh oh someone's fat they have to be funny so then yeah as you said they can make fun of themselves before anyone else does yes yeah and, and somehow that they're almost defending their fatness with their sense of humor like oh yeah i mean yeah that person's bigger but they're so funny you don't have mm. to be funny you don't have to be anything you are a human and you have value and other people assigning value to you based on your weight is um it's not okay and i'm not gonna and another thing that I've noticed, so as, as a fat person myself, I'm a size 20, 22 person, I'm a bigger girl, something that I've definitely noticed that is a fat phobic thing in everyday life is definitely chess. Have you noticed this, that so many chairs, whether it's on airplanes, in, um, in your doctor's offices, or just anywhere, like they make them so tiny near the thigh area. And then you just they just grind up against your thighs if you've got thick thighs. And I think that so often people don't realise that. Like, say, when they have weddings or functions or events, they don't realise that the parts on the sides can be really restricted for people that have larger legs. Yes, absolutely. The discomfort, the physical discomfort of fat people never enters the mind of the mainstream because mm. it doesn't affect them, so they don't care. It's it's so accurate. Can I just quickly take a second to say also, super proud of you because I know that when you were talking with Abby on the It's A Lot pod, you mentioned your size and you said that you've never said that out loud before. And I love the fact that now that you've said it, that you're embracing it and that you can happily just say, this is the size that I am. And that's totally okay because a number on a tag means nothing about how amazing I am. So go, girl. I'm so, so proud of you. Oh, thank you. Yes, it definitely came out as word vomit on Ab- Abby's podcast, and I just blurted out, and I'm just like, oh, shit, I've never actually said this, but well, and and I, I, I kind of liked it because I'd I'd never heard anyone else just openly voice what their size was unless it was, like, you know, a below, below a 14 or a 16, then they're just like, oh, happy to say it. But anything above yeah. that... I don't really hear too often people openly say, oh, yeah, I'm a size this. Yeah, but yeah, thank you. I had a great conversation with a couple of friends on a shoot the other day about clothing and the fact that I buy clothes that are a certain size bigger than my um, – so I buy clothes that will fit my arms because I have quite big arms, quite mm. big arms and thighs, which um, – talking about chairs and things we will I think this kind of ties in um I have to buy clothing especially jackets and things like that that have bigger sleeves it makes them kind of gapier around the midsection because I'm a bit smaller there so I'm very much um that kind of hourglassy shape but I've got the very big kind of hulk arms of the bingo wing kind of situation going on there um and for so long I used to try to cover them up and all that kind of stuff and I'm much more comfortable showing my bare arms now but also when I do want to wear it you know, jackets and things are a part of my, my wardrobe more from a fashion point of view as mm. well as staying warm because it's winter in Australia and it's freezing, <laughs> um, that I have to buy clothes a different size than what I actually am. But now I'm just kind of like, I'm buying them because they fit where I want them to be comfortable. And that even was something that I had to come to terms with in the last 12 months. I would not buy something. I'm like, I don't want that in an 18. I don't want that in a 20. I don't want that in a whatever size. 
because I know I've been saying to myself since, um, you know, I, I've lost weight since my kind of early 30s, um, that I felt funny about going up again after I'd gone down from, say, I was, I think, a 26-ish in the past down to a sort of 16 and now probably sitting at the 16 but having to buy jackets that are 18s or 20s because my arms are so, so big. Um, and I, I just had to be like, oh, I'm actually, but this, I have to think of it as I'm buying the sleeves that fit, not the size of the jacket. The size of the jacket is irrelevant. If I put the jacket on and it fits my arms and it still looks comfy and I don't look like I'm wearing any sort of, you know, random op shop purchase that doesn't fit well, um, then I just need to go with that. And the minute that I said that to myself, I also bought a size up in my jeans because I was like, these are a bit tight. I don't really love how they fit. Um, you know, because I, I have gained weights and I have my son and I'm comfortable with that. Um, and I think having to be... I don't think I can talk about being body positive and I don't think I can talk to other people about loving themselves as they are if I'm not going to do it myself. So I embrace the fact that, oh, okay, I'm not a 16 anymore. Okay, I'll just get some bigger pants. So, I, you know, I sit about, you know, between a 16 and an 18, but, you know, I'm comfortable with that. And I, I commented on a, a thread on Facebook in a group with me talking about my weight because I, I thought of you and I thought, it doesn't matter. No one, no one cares. Like, that's a number. It doesn't mean anything unless you're a horse or a jockey or some kind of like it doesn't have any relevance it has no bearing on what kind of person I am so sorry as usual you and I are the queens of word word format we're the queens of tangents yes we are (laughs) (laughs) I'm really I'm really happy to be able to embrace that and and that is not something that comes naturally because we've been shamed always into either lying about what size we are cutting off tags you know buying from brands that do vanity sizing it's so damaging and there's actually no reason because if you say to someone oh, i eat my steak well done i'm a size 20 to 22 they're just two facts they're just two statements about you got nothing to do with what kind of person you are yeah exactly yeah your weight or your dress size doesn't affect how good a person you are how nice you are just the same as your shoe size or your ring size wouldn't affect what kind of person you are so yes, yes. exactly that's oh, so true <laughs> yes so you're talking about when you lost weight so you're sim- very similar to me we've both been on journeys of when we lost weight when we've gained weight sometimes we're happy about it sometimes we're not happy about it and then sometimes it's intentional and untentional You've already said to me already what you thought when you've lost weight or gained weight, but what was the reactions of people you spoke to? Like how, what has been your experience of people around you when you have lost weight or gained weight? I've got like one that sticks out to me. When I was, um, I'd had my baby in July 17 and then I think it was, he was only little, so like maybe September that year, um, I was actually asked to go on the Today Show after writing a blog post um, that was shared by a friend of mine who has quite a considerable reach, and I went on the show, and they were, like, talking about my weight loss and saying, like, I was, like, saying how I wanted to keep losing weight. Like, this is all me literally buying into that good fatty rhetoric to the point where I was thinking that I had something to teach or something to share about losing weight because it's such a valid and important thing to do and really made me a better person, which, of course, it didn't didn't change who I was at all. Um, And a few people that I'm friends with, one specific person who rarely, um, you know, would, would post or talk about me on social media, which 
obviously it's not a big deal, but when you're the kind of person like me who's on social a lot and also talks about, you know, quite a lot of different things and people, having someone post about you, you're like, oh, that's so nice to, like, feel like almost like it's, it's validation, but it's also, like, acknowledgement. This person posted about me probably for the first time in a few years to say that they were so proud of me, whatever, and it was, like, the best thing I've ever done and all this kind of stuff. Uh, that's always the way, isn't it? Once someone once someone loses weight, it's as if they won like a Grammy or something. It's just like, oh my god, congratulations! You've been working so hard. I know you never. I know you never even told me that you were losing weight, but you you looked horrible before, but you look so great now. And they just like they act as if like you won this big massive award. Which which yes, I got to clarify. Obviously, for some people that lose weight, it is a big milestone for health wise and stuff like that but when it's I think if someone hasn't told you that they're trying to lose weight for a certain reason don't comment you don't know why they lost weight it's none of your business they could have lost weight unintentionally and intentionally in a very very negative way like just, yeah, reinforcing uh, what could be um, eating disorder behaviour. Mm. Um, I think reinforcing a message that that person previously had been telling themselves about the fact that they were bad because they were fat and now they're good because they're thin. Mm. Like, none of that is helpful and that's not what being a friend is. Um, and in the past, I mean, look, I don't want to too heavily point finger at any particular person. It's just that that stuck out to me so much Um I think, and, and subsequently, you know, um, other conversations and other things that we've spoken about, I've just kind of realised that maybe that person doesn't really see me the way I want to be seen and doesn't understand me the way I want to be understood, um, and that's okay. But I think more generally just the commentary around, oh, you look so good, people who would stop me in the street and be like, is that you? Of course it's me. You know it's me. Don't be daft. Um, don't don't give me, like, these fake compliments or, or even worse, like, these straight-out things being like, oh, you look so good now. I always said you could be a model if you just lost a few kilos yeah yeah there are people out there who literally don't have a filter it's so it's baffling to me that people think it's okay to literally tell you yeah you were uh not fuckable not interesting not smart not valuable not worthy not good looking because you were fat but now you're thin you're all those things okay cool so now all I'm going to be able to think about is how I'm going to not be those things anymore if I ever gain weight again and also I can't believe you thought that of me so it's, it's not a good time yeah wouldn't it be nice if you got like if you still got the same amount of compliments when you gained weight weight compared to when you lost weight if I'm gonna be honest I've put on so much weight this past year or two I've probably put on like an extra like two three dress sizes and whenever I get a compliment now I just eat that up I'm just like yes 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 they still think I'm pretty even though I've gotten fatter but it shouldn't be like that it should be that like it doesn't matter regardless whether how much you if you weigh heavier than you were before or lighter than you were before like your looks doesn't just depend on what your weight is yeah, absolutely. Um, I, w- I would like that too. And I think if we could, well, I say this often, I'm like, if we could just stop complimenting people's bodies, don't compliment them and don't shame them. Don't talk about mm. them at all. Um, and let the person whose body it is is saying, what do you think of whatever? And even then I'm kind of like, why does my opinion matter? Um, you know, people who will talk about themselves negatively, um, whether they be thin or fat or straight size or whatever, whatever term you want to use. Um, I think that when we talk about our bodies, we've got to really understand that we're talking about other people's bodies too. 
And so when you're complimenting someone else's body, is that actually coming from inside you as well? So people who are saying to you, you look so good, babe, like I'm loving, you know, your outfit or I'm super, you know, um, I admire your fashion sense or whatever it might be. That's a positive thing that person's saying about you and that probably comes from inside them. That is, they're happy with themselves and they're happy with you too kind of thing. Um, whereas if someone's saying, oh, I'm so jealous of you losing weight, you skinny bitch, is that actually coming from inside them because they would like to lose weight? And then to me, I just think this normalisation of speaking about people's bodies without being invited to do so is a thing that we really need to stop. So another topic I wanted to definitely bring up on today's episode, you've probably seen this make the rounds on social media, in particular with some body positive social media accounts on Instagram, is there have been debates by people about whether the body positive movement only belongs to plus-size women. There have been people saying that not just women, people that are not of a bigger size, they can't talk about body positivity. And what are your thoughts on that? Like, Can people of all sizes, all genders and all that talk about body positivity or is it exclusively for fat women? The term body positivity to me comes from or stems from uh, an original movement that was for marginalised bodies. So not just plus size bodies or fat bodies, depending on how you want to talk about them. Um, Queer bodies, bodies that have different abilities and differences. Body positivity, when you think about the way that a social media platform groups, things like hashtags, then that content and those messages and that conversation is for marginalised bodies. Body positivity isn't for every single person who might be size 14, even if they have body image issues that they would love to uncover, love to talk about and love to normalise the fact that, yes, people of every size get stretch marks and cellulite, those things. That's not body positivity. That's body confidence and that's body love. And that is for everybody. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because I've definitely, because I think we were just talking about before. What was that Instagram account we were talking about before? Um, um, Sarah Nicole Landry. She, oh, I just love her. She's amazing. And look, I think women like, um, and I, I've mentioned both of these beautiful ladies uh, on Times podcast the other day too while talking about this topic, mostly because um, I saw a really interesting thing unfold on Instagram. You might have seen Rafaela Mancuso posted a series of stories where she reshared uh, both Sarah Nicole Landry, who uh, most people will know as the best player, and uh, Danae Mercer as two people who were in, I think, I, I don't want to say in her words because I'm not quoting her directly, but the message that she was saying was people who are, even who are being uh, body confident and trying to normalise bodies, these people are both not plus size. They're also not women of colour. They're also not, you know, they're not, actually part of the marginalised group. They're part of that the group that really benefit from thin privilege, that kind of thing. And she was very direct in calling this out. And I was kind of like, oh, my God, this is like, wow, I'm pretty shocked to see this. But the reason that I actually saw it was because Sarah Nicole got the message she and Rafaela have spoken. They've actually done a podcast, the Papaya podcast. Rafaela went on there. It was the most amazing and enlightening episode. 
just listening to them both talk about what they had learned and how they discussed the fact that body positivity is for a specific group of people who need to be elevated and amplified because normalizing every type of body is what body positivity is about being able to feel positive about every single body and, and an important aspect of that being that you aren't body positive if you're only body positive about people that you like people that you know um it needs to literally be that you can look at a group of people strangers friends anyone from any country that look like the most random and assorted you know diverse group of people and feel like every single one of them is worthy and not any less than because of their body Mm -hmm. and I do want to mention as well what is great that yes there is like all this debate about whether body positivity like who it belongs to but I think what is also great to know is that there is so many influencers talking about body love because even though body positivity is more directed towards marginalized body types it's also great that there are so many people talking about body love because there's also different body issues that people are experiencing for example skin so many people have acne and they are pushing through the thing of body love and self-love kind of thing of accepting their skin also people with disabilities people of color and also men as well men that might be of a bigger size so i think yeah so i think like yeah body positivity as you said, it did come from yeah marginalized plus size women because, as we've spoke about earlier, we are seen as unfuckable, we are seen as unworthy, yeah. and I think it's great as well that yeah the whole body love self love thing is also coming yeah. out as well and yeah smashing diet culture um, mm. and being honest and normalizing um, recovery from eating disorder so that's something that um, Danae Mercer's account is one that I love as well and she has a beautiful you know we all have beautiful bodies but she has one of those very Instagrammable bodies but that's the whole point of her account is to show even people that look like the body ideal are not really we a don't really look like this this is an angle this is the filter this is whatever um but also that their bodies may still be in recovery from um some quite traumatic stuff that happens as part of diet culture so i think we can smash diet culture and we can be body positive and we can have body confidence we can do it all and i think it's just a really important um i think it's an important conversation that we talk about passing the mic and sharing the mic um both in relation to this and all of the other really important issues that are in the in the media at the moment Mm. um I do, I do really love, I, I have lots of thin friends, so I love accounts that normalise their bodies for them. I want that for my friends, the people that I love, and people that I don't know, but obviously the people who I hold close to me, I want them to feel normal and good and beautiful and valued too, um, whether that be um, people dealing with um, breast explants or uh, postpartum hair loss, like all of the things that have never been spoken about because women were too busy keeping themselves nice and keeping themselves in the kitchen to be able to converse with each other and say do you have this too because I feel like I'm a freak actually no we all have that or lots of people do um I think that being able to talk about the, those realities uh, is really important and that's why I think this conversation is for everyone but I think like when you want to talk about body positivity you have to know that that movement and that ideal is about bringing the marginalized to the forefront and um you know that representation matters yeah, absolutely. I couldn't have said it better myself. And I also have to make sure I bring up your incredible Instagram page. And <laughs> you produced the most beautiful, beautiful content. I did a big, massive stalk. And 
I love, I love, I love what you, I love what you make. Is I love what you make. It just, it, it has helped me so much with my journey to positive, journey to body positivity. And I, yeah, I can't even imagine how many people it has also helped as well. For you yourself, though, how has creating that page and being so open about body positivity and self love, how has that helped you with your journey? It just cements for me when I get responses like that and I just want to say thank you so much. That's such a lovely, kind thing for you to say. Um, responses like that and the, the, the DMs that I get that say, I'm working on me and you're helping me and, you know, and that kind of thing, that cements it. That, that's it's cyclical. The more I do it and the more people get something from it and share with me that they've gotten something from it, the more I go, yep, I'm on the right track. This is an important thing. What I'm doing is, you know, in the past I've had people tell me that, like, oh, maybe I should just stick to, you know, posting pictures of my cute kid or, you know, what I'm posting about is not interesting, it's not important. You're just, you're wrong. What I'm doing is activism. It may not be the same kind of activism that, you know, we traditionally think about, you know, being on the street or, um, you know, financial activism. It's not necessarily the type of thing that I'm going to win any awards for, but it's important to me and I think that it's helping people and that I feel is my whole purpose in life is to help people see um, see themselves the way that they, you know, they, they should be seen and that the world will accept them. And, and that's, I think when I hear my friends say, oh, you know, I told someone when they were talking bad about themselves, Godzilla wouldn't approve of that. I was like, <laughs> oh, yes, I'm reaching the people. Um, and that's what I want. I want people to think, you know, you, you've got that, we've all got that internal voice, right? That voice that says nice things and the voice that says nasty things. Some people would characterize that as the devil and the angel on the shoulder. Mm-hmm. I want to be the angel on your shoulder when you're in a change room and you're looking at yourself and you're feeling critical and you're feeling like, oh, this is not, you know, I don't feel good about myself. I look, I'm not going to list any insults because I just don't even want to say them out, li- out loud. I don't want to give voice to any kind of negativity about people's bodies because honestly, bodies are amazing. Um, I think that you want, you want that, you want Godzilla on your shoulder being like, you look fierce, or do you know what, these lights are bullshit, this mirror is set up specifically to make you feel bad about yourself, so that you buy more things to try to cheer yourself up, because capitalism, um, so I think that, you know, we, we need to look at, um, you know, I guess, if you're doing something that helps people, and like you yourselves are doing such an amazing job, um, the Nasty Woman Club has helped so many people, and it will help so many more people, um, that self-belief and that empowerment to feel your own value, there's nothing better. Oh, thank you, lovely. And yes, I can definitely relate to the whole, you have become the new, what would Bodzilla do? What would she do in this situation? Would she oh feel God. Would she feel crappy about herself just because like a certain role is there or a certain belly is showing? No, she would fucking get a bright ass outfit and rock them. That's what she would do. <laughs> yeah, she would pop on a bright lip and just be like, see y'all later. Um, I definitely think uh, I... I have gained that from other people as well, like as in other people that I follow who've empowered me. Um, I've shared a lot of accounts recently that I'm loving um, and I will continue to, to share and amplify those people. But, um, you know, being able to, to even to think one person would say to themselves, Godzilla wouldn't like that, Godzilla wouldn't approve of that, that makes my day. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. 
Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. So I want to steer away now to a different topic that I can't even imagine has been so tiring for you and many other people around the world these past past several weeks, this past month. So you yourself are mixed race. Firstly, I have to ask, how are you going with all the news coming out over the past couple of weeks and this past month? Are you tired? Are you empowered? Like, what's what's the feeling here? It's a crazy combo. As someone who is uh, not an Indigenous Australian, I definitely feel strongly that I need to work on my allyship there. So there's that level of, um, I guess, as you said, I'm mixed race. So I still do benefit from white privilege because I am not Indigenous. So on one way, I'm feeling those feelings that everyone can relate to of, you know, shame, guilt, concern, what can I do? How can I be better? So that can be tiring, but, you know, as we've, as we've seen, um, you know, if, if you think being an ally is tiring, imagine being the person that needs an ally. Mm. Um, but then also as someone who has experienced racism, who continues to experience racism and can foresee um, the possibility of racism in my child's future, um, I'm a little exhausted and a little bit overwhelmed. Um, I just, I'm saying I'm a lot because I just, gathering my thoughts about this topic is so hard. It's so close to my heart and yet so many people are blown away when I tell them, no, I experienced racism. They're like, but why? You're beautiful. Literally, totally not, they're not, that's not the same topic. Um, my beauty and my colour, like, it's not trying to be, people who say things like that are trying to be kind and give you a compliment, but I'm like, what you're not seeing is the bigger picture of this. The fact that racism isn't about being ugly or being good looking, that's not the purpose of it, and if that's how you're viewing it, that's a real, that's a real indication that you have zero understanding of what racism actually is, which means you've probably got a reasonable amount of work to do in becoming an anti-racist person. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I want to say I'm I'm shocked, but at the at the same time I'm not shocked at the I'm not shocked because these obviously this past month has shown that there is still a long way to go with wow, yeah. just learning basically how to be a decent human being and not be so judgmental and just speak before you think pretty much. Uh, ah, yeah. I just can't believe what I you just- must be going through. Like it's been really, it's been really good. It's been really eye-opening. It's been hard. Um, I've had some really tough conversations with friends. Um, I had, you know, and also being so fragile and emotional after the first couple of weeks. Not to mention the fact that it is so deeply. It's a we're experiencing global trauma when we're exposed to things like the matter of George Floyd and things like. Just, you know, obviously, once that conversation opened, it was just the floodgates. People didn't just had no concept of what the world has been like for some people that they don't know or for people that they've never asked the question of, like, what's your, how's your life different to mine? Because they live in that, live in that privilege. Um, and I think that, I, I think I speak for lots of people that I know when I say they had no idea the scale uh, and the severity of racism both within Australia and within local, like our local community. So where I live in New South Wales, um, you know, 
I need lots of people who are beautifully anti-racist, who are wonderfully uh, open and accepting. But I also need lots of people who aren't. And, and I think people are surprised by people they know coming out either through what they're sharing on Facebook or the conversations they're having um, and really showing their privilege and their, and their total lack of interest in dismantling it. Mm-hmm. Yes, definitely this past several weeks has been a realisation of certain friends or certain relatives when you see they post all lives matter or they just don't speak up about it at all and that's been... Yeah, it's a bit, it's a, it's, it's kind of, one positive thing is that you're getting a better exposure of how things really, really still need to change because we, we are so much in these tiny little bubbles, you know, we follow people on social media that have similar interests and values to us. So then when we see more people that we don't like follow so much, or we aren't so connected with, and we see that they have very different views to us, we're like, oh shit okay, the world is still fucked up. Yeah, totally. Look, I have my own relatives posting stuff that either was all lives banner rhetoric or literally the phrase. Mm. And I'm just like, okay. Um, and I just don't have any edu- energy for that education. You know, my, you know uh, my family are a great bunch of people. They're great. But they don't know because they, you know, that phrase that I just love I don't see color um no you don't place any value in my history or the type of person that I am and the fact that I'm quite actively trying to elevate and amplify uh the the fact that I'm a woman of color because I'm proud of it and because it has a lot of interesting I have a lot of interesting cultural heritage I want to go back to um so my dad was from Mauritius and that's um you know where my family are from uh and my mum's born in Australia and she is white Australian um and so for me I go I'm really interested in knowing more and understanding that and some of the what I'm going to uncover about this is going to be uncomfortable because it's going to talk about some stuff that's really not nice but a lot of it's going to be amazing and why should I not be proud of that and you not seeing my colour is you just categorising me as some other uninteresting person or saying that um the only parts of me that are interesting are the parts that are white and that you're related to that's what I'm hearing that might not be what they're saying but that's what I'm hearing yeah and for the people out there that are educating people about the Black Lives Matter movement or just Australia's Indigenous history for all those people that are First, firstly, thank you to all of you that are putting the effort and the energy just educating people and basically being a broken record saying the same thing again and again and again, trying to get it in people's heads. How can we thank them? How can we support those people? Because for the past, not just the past month, but for years, for many of them, they have just been this token of just educating people. And that must be so tiring like how what can we do to help those people to know that we appreciate them yeah i i want to echo that that sentiment of thanks to all the people that i have learned from um and i think you know for both of us we are trying to do better and learn and and you know all that kind of stuff i for example today just donated through someone's paypal if someone provides you with the opportunity to financially compensate them for effort please do that 
please take the opportunity. If you knew that person in real life, you'd take that coffee, you'd buy them a drink, you'd share lunch with them, you'd do something nice to be like, oh, God, it's been a tough couple of weeks, or, oh, I'm so happy for you that you've, you know, you're sharing this amazing message, let's grab a coffee, something like that. So when you think about what you can do for someone who's not your friend, who might simply be an influencer, an activist, someone who's working really hard on uh, educating people about all of these issues, whether it be disability, Black Lives Matter, um, body positivity, any of the things that people are working hard and doing unpaid emotional labour, pay them, pay those people, give them more than just a like. I mean, look, of course, social media, it likes, shares, comments, engagement. We know that we're living in 2020 and it's very much a virtual world. But if you have the capacity and the ability to do more than that, do more. Because more is always more when it comes to generosity and adequately compensating people for their work. Yeah, absolutely. A hundred percent agree with that. So what is next then, my dear, for Bodzilla? Because you are doing so much lately. I just I would love to know firstly how you do it and what's some exciting news you got for everyone. I too, like everyone else in ISO, have decided to start a podcast. I asked a few people on IG stories what they'd like to see from me, given that I've just taken my writing back up. Um, and quite a lot of people were also interested in a podcast. I am the hard and soft taco of body positivity. Clem was the first person I'd kind of really told, and she's put it out there, so I thought, right, I'm organized, and I had a beautiful friend's real website, which I'm eternally grateful for. So... If you keep your eyes on my Instagram uh, and my Facebook, you'll be able to follow along with all of that over the next coming days. Oh, sounds so exciting. Oh, I cannot wait to listen to your podcast. Ah, uh, yes, cannot wait. So exciting. I'm so happy. And I'm just so happy that you invited me on. Honestly, it's been so lovely talking to you. And, you know, obviously we've been chatting and preparing for this catch-up. And I just am so happy that, um, and this is kind of something that Clementine and I were talking about the other day, that Instagram has allowed us to connect with people we would never find yes. if it wasn't for social media. Uh, and my life is so much better for being connected with and being able to follow along with people like you like Abby Chatfield, like Clementine, uh, Marley Silver, all of the amazing people that I'm following. Well, I never would have even known half of what I know uh, if I hadn't had the opportunity to do that. So thank you. Oh, thank you so much for coming on to the show. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of The Nasty Woman Club. For more information on my guest today, April Watson, make sure you follow her on Instagram at thebodzilla. I will make sure to add her information in today's show notes. If you enjoyed today's episode, make sure you give us a rating and make sure you also subscribe so that way more people can discover the show and then also as well so you can be notified when new episodes come out. For more news stories on intersectional feminism and women empowerment, make sure you also head on over to the Nasty Woman Club website, thenastywomanclub.com, and also our social media pages on Instagram and Facebook. I'm your host, Demi Lynch, and I will see you all next week for another episode of The Nasty Woman Club. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? 
They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 